It's that iconic tune that we all know and love. It is the theme song to Hockey the Podcast, your favorite podcast, and talk about iconic. We've reached the iconic episode. We've been talking about it for months, actually probably weeks, because without uh, even realizing it, it just caught up to us. The magical 100. Tyron Barnard, my co-host, my partner in crime, we finally get to raise our bats, raise our sticks. We've reached the 100. Yeah, Derek, and what a privilege it's been over the past two years as we have told amazing, amazing hockey stories from players with unbelievable backgrounds to incredible journeys, umpires, administrators, coaches, players, you know, you name it, we have given a platform and you know what, you and I haven't really done much of the work. It's the stars of the show are really the guests that have joined us. 99 episodes, I know we've kept you waiting for a month since number 99, let's call that the off season. We had some house keeping to do, we had some uh, health to look after, but we are here today and we are here with 100 and Derek, today is all about 100, but I can tell you right now that some of the guests lined up for the next few episodes are nothing short of iconic and would probably even feature on some of our list today. Yeah, and you say we, we had to take a, a bit of a break and to be fair, it was the off season because uh, while we did take a break from the weekly shows, remember Prior to that, you were doing a daily show covering the Olympics. So we did cram a whole lot into the space of two weeks. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were afforded a little bit of a break to, to regather our thoughts, to regather our voices uh, and hit back with episode 100. And it's a, it's a special episode time, not just for the fact that it is number 100, but a couple of special features tonight. Yeah, we thought we'd do something different like we did for the 50. We thought... Let's not have an individual guest tonight. Let's look at something that would be a great listen on your drive to work, on your drive to practice, while you're lying in bed at night um, and you don't want to watch Springbok highlights. You know, you're listening to Hockey the Podcast. So what we're going to do for you today is we've decided to pick 10 iconic moments in South African hockey history, um, at least in recent history. And we're going to try and show you or share a clip over the past 99 episodes where we spoke about that iconic moment. It's going to be great. You're going to probably not agree with all our lists, and you're going to say, what about this moment? Well, hit us up, join us, chat with us, and let's talk about all the iconic moments. But for purposes of length, for purposes of being just a perfect round number today, the 100th episode is about the 10 iconic moments of SA Hockey history. My name is Ernst Baird from Studio Hockey and thehockeysite.com. I just wanted to share my congratulations for the 100th episode of Hockey the Podcast by Tyron and Friends. It may be exaggerated to claim the wonderful performance by the South African men in Tokyo because of your work, but no one can deny you are doing more than your share to grow the enthusiasm for hockey in Africa. Hope you have a good party and I'm looking forward to the next 100. Party, we certainly will do. Let's get straight into the top 10. Ty, a great idea. And uh, I think without further ado, take it away, Ty. Yeah, so they are in no particular order. Here are 10 iconic moments in South African hockey history. T minus 10. We don't have to go far back. We just go back to the Tokyo Olympic Games in 2021. 
On the 29th of July, 2021, the South African hockey men beat the Germans, who were ranked fifth in the world at the Tokyo Olympic Games. The scoreline was a score of four to three. And of course, it uh, capped off an absolutely thrilling tournament. It was even uh, highlighted by the International Olympic Confederation, the IOC, as one of their moments of the Tokyo Games. It elevated the SA men into the top 10 for the first time ever. And of course, we covered it on Talking Tokyo Daily. Here is Moabi Malabi talking about it in the morning, just after the game. Yeah, so I'm in another WhatsApp group and we were obviously talking about the game at halftime. So obviously, I think really competitive first quarter. I think the Germans started running away with it in the second quarter. Um, and we had a discussion around that. And I, at, after the end of the third quarter, I said, that is the best 15 minutes of hockey the men have played the entire tournament. Right. And it wasn't because they didn't concede. It was just they played with so much maturity and the game management was exceptional. Two, when we've been able to keep teams out, the way they've been able to unlock us is to win a corner. Right. And in that third quarter, when they won the corners, we stopped them because I think that's been our soft spot. So that was critical for us to get that right today. Uh, and I think that count at the end, it's not just us who's seeing it. Other teams are seeing it. The Belgians are still talking about it. So what starts to happen now is you go, when I'm attacking South Africa, I need to be mindful of what happens when we lose the ball, right? So now it's not just a, let's go forward and not think about risk. You know, and I think in the past, when we've been too conservative, they're not worried about conceding. But everyone we play now is worried about what happens when they lose the ball. So I think you get a type of respect from that. And that goal with Spooner, I put in our group, Spooner ran 40 meters, right, to get there. Uh, obviously, the pass, the vision was awesome. But from where he passed the ball initially to where he finished, that was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Nine. The SA women also have a great memory from the games going back to 2004 in Athens. Goals from Sinead Vemeyer, Petey Kutsia, and Jen Wilson proved the difference as the eventual gold medalist winners, Germany, were humbled by a perfect South African performance. Here is Marsha Cox from episode 81. No, I was just listening to these amazing stories and thinking... I've never scored a goal at the Olympic Games. <laughs> I didn't score many goals in my career, so it's no surprise. But um, yeah, I think mine are exactly the same as as Kate. The German game uh, in Athens, where we went. But what what for me is so special about that German game is actually the day before. So we were we were proper victimizing ourselves you know like we're the victim this is not going well it's not going as the way we wanted it to go uh, we're just losing we're not getting the results we want and we were really down in the dumps and we had uh kate do you remember our and paula do you remember our uh the sports psychologist that was working with us uh leading up yes. to the game he came into the room and he said right mark? yeah mm. mark Yes, and he said to us, Martin, right, yeah, I, I, I can just picture him standing there. He wore glasses. He was standing there, and he was just like, right, guys, 
it's not going the way you wanted it to go. So, uh, like we had this, this exercise where we wrote down our biggest frustrations and fears and we, we scrunched up these pieces of paper and we smashed them out of the room as if we were like hitting home runs at the biggest baseball game in the world. And that gave us such a release that we went into the, the German game feeling like the tournament had just started for us. And I think that's why that game, it's not just the results. It's just that feeling from before um, that for us, that was sort of the start of the tournament for us. And if only it was earlier when the tournament actually started, but I think that that game was a turning point for our team and, um, you know, not just being the, and then we walk away from that Olympic games being the only team to take points off the goal the gold medalist and i think that that's why it's it definitely probably stays as as one of my favorites eight we go away from the olympics and we come into something domestic now as in 2016 the south african premier hockey league was launched and in that inaugural phl that captured our attention it was hockey on television it was players getting paid the colors were bright the colors were exciting and uh it was rather thrilling as the Blood River Bunters and the Maraping Cavemen went on to win it. Mark Saunders leading the Maraping Cavemen to the title against the Arrow Elephants. Well, it was Lindsay Wright leading the Blood River Bunters to glory over the Medikwe Rangers. All the way back in episode 45, Lindsay Wright spoke a little bit about this and a little bit about RPT, but she's so classy. We thought this was the best clip we wanted to share with you anyway. Those local tournaments, you know, IPT is still, you know, for me, the flagship of South African hockey, and it should be treated in that way. We should have all our best players back there playing. Um, and I would love to see it go international, actually having a couple of international players come in and, and also boost the, the standard of the, of the tournament and make it exciting. But, um, you know, I just remember going on the first journey. I mean, I was a Southerns girl right to the bone. Um, and then, of course, I, I married Peter, <laughs> and that had to all change. So the challenge of um, taking on the Northerns ladies um, and coaching them to their very first gold medal, um, which was in, in Peter Maritzburg. First of all, I mean, you know, we had to take on Western Province twice. And, I mean, Western Province were a fantastic team. They had some great players in that. But our goals just stuck to the game plan. May not have been that pretty hockey, but they stuck in there and they managed to to do that. So I think the first one was a little bit of luck on our side and just happened to to go our way. But the, the, the second one that we won in Joburg, um, yeah, that, that was just unbelievable, you know, and it was led by Nicolene to Blanche and um, she was such a, a great inspiration for our Northerns team. She really gathered those goals around. Pumi was fantastic in the goals. She was, she was a great team member. I remember having Jacinta Jubb. She was a great team member, made us laugh all the time, every day. Um, and um, yeah, just keeping those goals on track and, you know, making them believe that they could do it. Cause I think Northerns had never won one. And so they, they often found themselves in the bronze medal playoffs. So when I used to train, I used to just tell them, you know, if you want to train like that, you'll win a bronze medal. Um, so you've got to train like gold medalists. <laughs> and so I kept reminding them that they were, they were gold medal worth. So, um, and they've done it and they've done it twice and they've done it again since, since I've left, um, under Warren Sangstein. He's done a great job with them. So uh, it's really good to see that they are competing right up there in the finals now. Seven. Moving on to one of my favorite hockey players the world over, 
Cindy Hack. Cindy Hack made history by becoming the most experienced indoor hockey player on the continent. She played a 100-test match in front of a packed Belleville Velodrome against Ireland. It was an iconic moment for South African history. Yes, episode 51. Yeah, when we first spoke, I was on 80-odd, as you said, and, you know, there was never a a question in my mind to, you kept saying to me, is that your goal to play to your hundredth? And I, I, I had to think about it. And my, my immediate answer was absolutely not. Um, you know, I always said to you, I would play, you know, as long as I knew that I needed to play for. And the fact that I've played into my hundredth is just, yeah, it's just one in a million. And I was actually just chatting about it the other day with uh, my mum and my husband and, you know, it was the most incredible day and evening. Um, yeah, it's one that I will forever remember. I just, I literally have goosebumps when I talk about it every single time, just reliving the moment and what happened and just being there with the girls, the team, my family, um, you know, all those special people who have been a part of my, my journey. And that's what I keep talking about because those hundred caps, it's, it's a journey. Six. We stay in the world of indoor hockey and it's over to the men after a gap of almost two years since they last played at the world cup the sa men got back into action david joshua having his first series as head coach turned out to be his only series before he emigrated took on switzerland one of the top 10 nations in the world in a six-match series three in durban three in cape town and in fact most supporters were quite realistically saying if we can get maybe one or two wins in the series, it would be something fantastic. But the series would not be one or two wins for South Africa. It would be five wins and a draw as the South Africans completely demolished their opposition. The world was also introduced to two men who you know lots about already, the Kasim brothers, in a 5-0 thrashing. Of course, we didn't chat to the Kasim brothers at that point because they were signing autographs or making TikToks. But we did chat to Anton van Lachenberg, the goalkeeper, the sensational player of the tournament at the RPT in episode 52. And this is what he had to say. I went to an, a co-ed school before going to Bishops that played across. Um, the playing on Astro for me was, was foreign. Um, and yeah, my love for the game was purely spurred on by the passion from a teacher, not from any tactics. Um, and yes, I do have the tactics and, and, and the technical ability, but the passion definitely comes through and hopefully the kids, uh, they vibe with that. They, they take it all in and hopefully that changes their perspective of the sport and, and pushes them a bit more to, to, to want to be better and, and do better. And then, yeah, I mean, Ryan, and, and, and if you had to just say, what is the one, the one golden piece of advice you give as a coach to inspire these kids? Yeah, I, I said it now. Um, in South Africa, we, we, yeah, we don't get paid to, to play hockey in South Africa. So, so we have to do it for fun, to, for the pure enjoyment of the sports. And, and when we lose a game, I always say guys like, if, if the sport makes you happy, why why are you so sad? Like, why would you make something uh, that makes you happy make you make you sad? And that really, I, I would hope it resonates with kids. I've had a few kids come to me and, and be like, "Yeah, thank you so much 
Um, but in life, uh, yeah, the things that, that bring joy to you and the things where you have a good time with your mates on the field, uh, and make you smile. Um, yeah, losing a game, it, it is really hard at times, but, but those, those joy, those joyous moments that you have on the field, uh, you can't afford for those, those happy moments to bring you down because then why do you play the sport? Like that, that's my approach to, to the game. And obviously, like I'm very competitive. I don't really play sports uh, to lose, to be honest. Um, but the enjoyment factor is, is something that is, is really important. And if you lose and, uh, you, and you really enjoy the sport, you will want to come back, uh, to try again, um, and not become a despondent and, yeah, and not show your face again. So, yeah, the enjoyment factor is, is really important. Five. Now, as many of you know, there's actually three hosts of Honky the Podcast. It's Tyron Barnard, myself, and Justin Reed ross uh, We can't get him off the show as much as we've tried. Uh, he's uh, appeared more and more of late uh, since his retirement. Uh, but before that came, he became the top foreign goal scorer in Hoefter class history. The bullet from the penalty corner in 2014, Justin Reed ross wrote the history books when he became the top foreign goal scorer in history. It's a record that he's extended significantly and has only been joined by fellow South African Austin Smith in the Century Club. This is Justin from episode 75. Yeah, uh, so that's a cool, it's a cool stat. Um, I, remember, I remember breaking the old record, uh, I think it was 83 or 84 goals by, uh, by a British guy called Dave Matthews, not from the band. Um, <laughs> Uh, who played for Amsterdam as well um, in, the, in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, early early 2000s. And, and that was my first season at Amsterdam. Uh, so what is that, seven years ago? Um, and that was quite a significant moment. And then, yeah, hit 150 goals a little bit later. 186 is, again, uh, very much, I feel, quite similar to my to my international caps number. It's, it's just shy of where I probably would have wanted to be. Um, but but still, I think, quite a unique, uh, quite a unique, uh, yeah, legacy to have been able to leave behind, and I'm I'm hoping more than anything that Austin can crack on for another four or five years. Maybe it only takes him three years. <laughs> if you add another another eighty to that and uh, and, and join me up there, I think it would be pretty cool. Four. If you want to talk iconic goal scorers in really South African history points, you know where else other than the great Pity could see a Turner. In 2012, playing at the FIH Champions Challenge in Dublin against USA, Petey Kutsia went on and scored her 212th goal. At the time, it was the all-time international record. She would go on to score another 70 before she would retire. And that record of 282 goals stands today. Derek and I were fortunate enough to be joined by Petey Kutsia in an episode of Hockey the Podcast, all the way back in number 40. Here she is talking about the momentous record. Uh, I mean, those are the ones that I still really, uh, in in particular, I think the one you, you're referring to was the, the diving deflection goal that I yes. scored in India. Um, it was a, the Olympic, the second Olympic qualification tournament that we had to qualify through to get to London. Uh now, what made that goal so incredibly special was that I um, 
had been dreaming and kind of working towards that goal for many, many years before. Um, and it just happened to be at this world stage where this goal was presented to me like on a golden platter. I couldn't believe it when I saw the defender, you know, kind of pulling the ball back, passing it back to a, a teammate. And I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to commit to this thing. Why not? Um, I don't really have a diving in my style of play. I don't like it. I, I like to be on my feet. And I thought just for this once, I'm going to go fully for this and, and see what happens. And uh, I managed to pull that goal off. And I mean, that was just for me, uh, if I can say the highlight of my entire scoring career, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was really, really spectacular and, and that it worked so well. You know, I, other times I got close, but I think the that time I had more commitment than any other time. So I was actually flat on my stomach and really just going for the dive. Um, so that made it extra special just to get that reward from that dive. So yeah, it, 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 that certainly is is what, the biggest highlight that I that I can recall from my whole career. Three in 2012, the SA hockey sides had to qualify not once but twice for the London Olympic Games after Saskok had ruled the African qualifier insufficient. The SA men and women were not perturbed and they went on and qualified for a second time with two of the most historic performances in SA history. Here's Greg Clark from episode 39. It was uh, disappointing and difficult uh, having sort of had the goalpost shifted, so to speak, uh, because uh, we had to go to Japan. But ultimately, what it did was, you know, in terms of our program and the timing of that tournament, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, about May, April, May yeah, of, the, of that year. And and so with the Olympics, uh, you know, in, in July, August, it kind of puts you in quite a good space. You, you're having to peak in May. Once you qualify, and we did qualify for the 2012, then you can go away, sort of put a bit of fine tuning and a bit of polish on and then go to the Olympics a couple of months later. Um, so it, it, whilst it was incredibly difficult and, and like I say, shifted the goalposts and, you, you know, the players really uh, had to come with a different mindset. Uh, like you say, it, it, uh, it gelled a team. Uh, it gave us an opportunity to play uh, in a really tough tournament in, a, in another sort of uncompromising environment. And coming out on top just really galvanized us. Uh, and, and we actually came very close to having an, a very, very good Olympic Games. Two. Although we have three hosts with Justin Reed Ross, we actually have four, as Marsha Cox has made the most appearances on the 99 episodes so far. And uh, she likes doing that. She likes making the most appearances. When she called time on a glittering international hockey career that spanned three Olympic Games and probably should have been four, uh, she did so with a record that will not likely be broken for a very, very long time. She retired having achieved 347 caps, the only South African with more than 300 caps. She was even honored by the sports minister at the time, Fekila Malula, Mr. Razmataz, making it all Razmataz about South Africa's sensation. Here she is. She's been on many episodes, but go all the way back to episode 10, when Marsha Cox joined us and spoke about that glittering record. Wow, I think there are a lot of moments, to be honest. Um, 
I'll never forget playing my first cap um, in America, um, and that was that was something really special because, you know, growing up um, with having a mom who she still is extremely passionate about the sport, but growing up in a family that you know is so passionate about hockey, I was uh, encouraged to watch a lot of hockey as a as a youngster, and I remember. Um, watching the SA women's team. And in fact, I remember being a ball girl for them when they played in Durban um, when I was a teenager. And for me, that was already like standing on the side of the field in awe of of the players in green and gold. So when I finally got the opportunity to play with some of those players who I had just admired as a teenager, um, that was a really special moment for me. Um, And then... Um, yeah, I guess there's so many there's so many highlights going to my first Olympic Games, uh, you know, in Athens 2004. That was just a dream come true. I remember at our Junior World Cup when we were still part of the Under 21 setup, uh, talking about it, and you know, if we had to ever make the Olympic team, what a huge, huge honor it would be, and what a big deal it would be in our lives. And it it was exactly that, um, and. I think that that was also a year where I probably established myself as a player, as a more consistent player in the team. You know, in the beginning, even though you're there and you're consistently making the final 16 for a tournament, um, as a youngster, you, with the likes of, we had like a magnificent midfield line um, and defenders as well. So it was extremely competitive and we just had to earn our stripes and learn, keep continuously learning and trying to prove yourself every few minutes you got on the field. And when I had that opportunity in 2004 at the Olympics, I think that was probably one of the most memorable tournaments for me um, as a, as a tournament that I got to sort of establish a position for myself. Um, And yeah, I think keepers looking back, there's just so many from, uh, beating England 4-0 in 2014 at the World Cup, you know, being the only unprofessional team at that World Cup and finishing places well ahead and comfortably ahead of other teams that have professional setups, have way way more funding. That was also something I uh, put down in the books as a big achievement. One. It's not just on the playing side that South Africa have iconic moments, it's also on the umpiring side, as a number of our officials dine at the finest table. In 2017, John Wright and Michelle Hubert completed a historic double in both being awarded the Umpire of the Year. Let's go back to episode 97 with Michelle Hubert. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Tyron and, and Derek. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. Um, you've just obviously, you know, put put the officials out there as well and, and given exposure. And I think, you know, our job as as seniors in in the game, um, you know, we need to try and give more exposure to and, and give young people the hope to dream and to also, you know, if if I'm from Sasselberg and you know didn't have any major funding or anything like that. It was just simply the passion that I had for the game and taking on opportunities. And that's literally how I got to, to where I am today. 
Um, and I'm grateful for every opportunity. And like I said, uh, the life lessons that I've learned um, and continue to learn will stay with me forever. Um, the memories are there. Um, I've met some amazing people, the friends that have become sort of hockey family. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what you guys do with your show also, it's, it's amazing what you're doing for hockey. And I think we are so hungry to get people to to give exposure to the sport and, and no better way than what, what you guys are doing as well. So thank you very much. G'day, it's Matt here from the Reverse Six, the Global Hockey Podcast, and... Uh, John, I'm here too. And we just want to wish our heartiest congratulations to Derek and Clive from the Hockey the Magazine podcast. What's it called? Hockey, uh, De- is it Derek and Clive? Derek, Derek and Tyron. Derek and Tyron. Tyron. The International Field Hockey Podcast Award Best Presenter of All Time Award Winner. Exactly. What a pleasure it is. What a pleasure it is not only to you know, present that award um, just a few weeks ago, but also to be present here in the hundredth episode of Hockey the Podcast. Uh, it's no mean feat, is it, John? No, it's no mean feat at all. And congratulations to both Tyron and Derek. Um, we do know what it's like to get to a hundred. And uh, we're looking forward to having the 200 chat with you as well, and the 300 and the 400 chat as along the way. Uh, congratulations, but, gentlemen. We appreciate all you do for our sport, what you've done for South African hockey as well. Uh, it's an amazing job. Congratulations. Just an incredible job, and even more so, they're so much better at doing interviews in virtually every single show they do, which I didn't think there was more than 100 South African hockey players. Well... Why would you do interviews in every show, Matt? Just doesn't well, seem you right. Organi- if you like, if you were organised, you got it teed oh. up. But you, that's that's why why you 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 do it. Uh, you think about it, yeah. Mm, probably, yeah. Nonetheless, well incredible done. effort. Well done, well done, gents. And uh, yeah, let's uh, looking forward to the next hundred. Bring it on! Ah, special thanks to Matt and Jonathan. Um. Michael and Jason, I'm never really sure with those two, uh, the reverse deck, the, the pioneers of field hockey podcasts really for us. That was the first one that I listened to. They were big uh, motivators behind the scenes in, in getting hockey, the podcast started. Um, very big supporters and they've been absolutely fantastic as a global platform in telling the African hockey story and we greatly appreciate it. Of course, also the uh, pioneers of the International Field Hockey Podcast Awards. Of course, we uh, won one of the awards there. So award-winning hockey, the podcast is uh, is here. And, and here is the award-winning 100th episode because, uh, you know, Derek, I'm going to give us an award called Best 100th Episode of Hockey, the Podcast <laughs> Ever. I'll take it. And uh, yeah, what a trip down memory lane. Thank you so much for our guests who have been part of the show for the last 100 episodes. Uh, you heard our, our friends speak about the fact that uh, we managed to find 100 guests. And I tell you what, we can find uh, a thousand more guests because uh, the, the, the hockey community in South Africa is so strong. It's so close. It's so extremely talented. And they're so talkative and they're keen to get the stories out there. So if you've got a story to tell, Get hold of us. Uh, we'll be only too happy to tell it. Uh, I tell you what, it's been 100, but uh, we can go for so, so, so many more. And I can't wait for the next 100, Ty. Uh, Derek, it's only going to get better. I mean, I was listening back to number one and two. 
back in the days where we thought it was best <laughs> to uh, record once every six weeks, but record six <laughs> episodes in one night. Um, we, we subsequently learned that that's Jeez. not the best approach. I used to leave Derek's house at like one in the morning. And of course, I mean, the hockey guys were absolutely great because we'd message them and say, we're going to interview you at nine. And then at half past 11, we'd start the interview with someone. Yeah. And they'd be like, cool, yeah, we'll stay up for it. Yeah, um, those, poor, those poor guests, because of course for them, they were doing it once that evening. I mean, we were doing the, the fifth interview of the night. Our voices were stuffed, we we're tired, uh, our questions were waning. Um, yeah, so always, uh, like you say, so it was like roundabout episodes like four and five and, and nine and ten when we did those batches uh, that you can sit yeah, hear the tiredness yeah. creep in. But uh, those days are thankfully long gone. But that being said, though, I mean, the stint during the Olympics, uh, I don't think you actually slept, Ty. So, yeah, as, as things change, uh, the more they stay the same. The more they stay the same. Yeah, but you see what I learned, what I've learned very wisely is don't get one guest when you're doing stuff daily. Get three or four and let them do all the talking. <laughs> very smart. See, not just a pretty face. <laughs> or, or, or even. <laughs> Ty, it's been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. The past 100 episodes have been an absolute dream. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next 100. And uh, a special thanks to all our listeners for making it so popular. And uh, yeah, keep on listening as we keep on talking about this beautiful sport that is hockey. From myself, Derek Alberts, cheers and thanks for listening. Once again, here's to the ton. Ty, final farewells from you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to all the listeners. I say it all the time. It's almost my tagline in Hockey the Magazine as well. If you have a hockey story to tell, we have a platform for you to use. 100 may be up, but I can promise you this. We are only just at the beginning of this journey. See you all next week for number 101. Zero and liftoff.